is Robbie Martin. Welcome to Media Roots. Media Roots Radio. It's going to be another solo episode for today. It's Sunday evening when I'm recording this. So whatever happens between now and the time I release it, as far as I'm concerned, hasn't happened yet. As far as anyone's concerned, really. So by the time you're listening to this, this version of me will be talking to you from the past. The reason I decided to do this podcast today, I read a strange tweet by Donald Trump when I woke up, and then I read about 50 different responses and variations about why his tweet was ridiculous and obviously bullshit, which it was, but it was interesting to me because what his tweet was referencing, I think what it was referencing was something I, I've been working on a, um, a really in-depth Media Roots podcast on for about the last six months. While I've been editing a very heavy agenda, parts two and three, um, in between that, I've been working on this project, basically trying to show that someone was leaking to the U.S. media on 9-11 information designed to frame Palestinians for the 9-11 attacks. Some of you might remember an episode we did called... Um, 9-11, how we all became boiled frogs, or sorry, post 9-11, how we all became boiled frogs. It goes through different things that happened chronologically after 9-11, going all the way until around 2012, about how we incrementally became more and more fear-mongered and conditioned to sort of accept a lot of things um, that we wouldn't have otherwise accepted. Because 9-11 in and of itself, I don't think would have gotten us into this predicament that we're in today with our erosion of civil rights across the board, with militarized police, with indefinite detention, um, targeted drone assassinations on suspected terrorists and their children and completely separate drone strikes. Uh, all of those things I don't think would have been possible with just 9-11 alone. So there's a lot of other stuff that happened after 9-11 including just on the day of 9-11 that were used, I think, to really turn us into this kind of like animalistic, bloodthirsty form of what used to be American, just typical American nationalism that most people by default had. But going off on a tangent already, Jesus Christ, sorry. But I, I believe, and I think I have a lot of evidence to show that either people with the same interests to frame Palestinians or maybe even um, people who were sort of orchestrating these these things together to try to frame Palestinians for the 9-11 attacks were being leaked into the U.S. press on the day of 9-11, immediately after the 9-11 attacks themselves. If you're not interested in hearing me ramble um, and speculate and, and sort of intro this, because my intros and the context that I'm trying to bring to this podcast is going to take quite a while... Um, you can skip forward to about 25 minutes into the podcast to hear uh, the chronological timeline with actual clips from the media sort of laying out uh, the, the, the evidence uh, for the case that I'm trying to make. Um, but it's going to take me 25 minutes to explain to you uh, why I'm trying to make this case and why I believe it to be true. Um, but you'll get all the evidence uh, starting around 25 minutes, and that starts chronologically at 9.40 a.m. when the Pentagon was hit by a plane. Now, what Donald Trump actually said, now, I mean, his tweet was that he said he saw Arabs 
cheering 9-11, uh, the, the collapses of the World Trade Center on 9-11 in New Jersey, that he saw this. And then he's also said, of course, that he wants to pr- have a database so that all Muslims must register in it and uh, so we can track them or whatever. I didn't want to spend really any of this podcast talking about Donald Trump. Um, we all know that he's a racist. We all know that he is trying to say things for sensationalism and shock value. I mean, it's it's all just uh, for show, and it's kind of at this point, it's gone beyond the point of being a parody to actually like kind of frightening to think that someone like him could be so popular still. But anyways, uh, this is what Trump said today on Twitter. It was the responses to him, too, that drove me a little crazy as well. Almost none of them pointed out the obvious, and the obvious being that he was either misremembering or just sort of vaguely misinterpreting something that all of Americans were sort of exposed to who were watching TV on the morning of 9-11. And what that was was video footage of people in the Palestinian territories in Israel cheering on the day of 9-11. The media told us they were cheering the 9-11 attacks in the streets, celebrating in the streets. Fox News, NBC, CNN, um, the radio, even Howard Stern show that was being aired live on 9-11, the morning of 9-11, they all broadcast the same footage um, and reacted to it live on, on the air of Palestinians allegedly dancing in the streets and celebrating the 9-11 attacks. Now, I just wanted to clarify in case anyone is confused, I am not in any way defending what Donald Trump said. Um, I think he's a fucking moron. But what I am defending, I shouldn't even really use the word defending, what I am trying to clarify is that he was referencing something that to a lot of people is still a confusing, vague, hazy memory of 9-11, and I would argue that um, he wasn't even really making something up. It was like he was actually referencing, in my mind at least, seeing this footage on television. Um, of course, he claims he saw it in real life or saw you know people celebrating on rooftops in New Jersey. Um, that's obviously, uh, he didn't see that, but then later he acted like, oh, well, we all saw it on TV. So I think there's something interesting here that's getting buried sort of beneath the noise. Um, And I don't even hate using the phrase anti-Donald Trump noise, Um, but it's like people's reaction to how gross Donald Trump is to them, I think is sort of almost preventing them from seeing what's really going on here. I think personally that Donald Trump is mixing together two real memories that he had. I mean, he's mashing them up accidentally and obviously he's a total moron if he says he has the world's greatest memory or whatever he's going around saying now clearly um he mixed together a one memory uh that most of us probably will remember if we really are reminded of it um that television news media here aired at 12 p.m footage of allegedly palestinians dancing in the street celebrating 9 11 He mixed that memory together with another uh, report that was actually reported on the day of 9-11 that in New Jersey, a woman in an apartment building called the police on four men that she thought were Middle Eastern men celebrating the collapse of the World Trade Center near a van. Um, She describes them as 
setting up a camera, um, filming the collapse of the tripod, and then dancing and jumping around as the towers collapsed. It turned out that these four men were actually Israeli, and they were later deported. They were held and deported. That story in and of itself is fascinating because it got seized on by anti-Semites in the United States to imply that Israel was behind the 9-11 attacks. Um, the problem is, I think that the way that that was seized on has clouded and has made that subject in and of itself slightly untouchable or actually really untouchable by members of the mainstream press when there actually is a really interesting story there about the amount of potential Israeli spies there are in this country um, and, uh, and, and even some linkages to 9-11, meaning that some of these Israeli spies were apparently shadowing hijackers and were like were were actually monitoring them before the 9/11 attacks. Fox News actually implied in a in a special about this investigation of these Israeli suspected spies is that some of them might have known details about 9/11, spe- very specific details and had withheld them from American intelligence. So I think Donald Trump is mixing together those two real events as some sort of weird anomalous memory of Arabs cheering in the streets on 9-11 in New Jersey. Um, and I would argue fairly strongly, and this is going to sound a little bit, um, it's going to put me in a difficult position to say this, but I think Donald Trump is a victim to what I would describe as a campaign to turn us into racist psychopaths after 9-11. I believe that he's a victim of racist programming that was by design put out uh, into the media waves on 9-11. Racist programming, meaning the ability for the average American to jump from Al-Qaeda and the terrorists who committed this act, allegedly, to any Arab, any Middle Easterner that didn't like American policy. Um, And that's what that video uh, footage of Palestinians allegedly dancing in the street did. But it's interesting because Donald Trump um, accidentally has brought this other side of it into the debate, this other idea that there were actually people celebrating the collapse of the World Trade Center in New Jersey, but they were not Arab or Middle Eastern in the sense that they were actually Israeli citizens and then suspected spies, actually, it turns out. Now, when I said the mainstream media isn't touching this idea anymore or they've shied away from it, that's definitely true. But there are other brave uh, journalists out there who are completely not anti-Semitic and do not come from like a white supremacist world at all who are still willing to touch this. Um, and I give them um, uh, praise for that. I, I think it's um, it's impressive to me when people are still able to talk about these things, even though they're factual you know, at this point because they have been so tainted by certain movements or associations. Um, one of them is Justin Raimondo, who has uh, written an entire book actually on this subject and who pointed out that Donald Trump might have been mixing it together with this actual event uh, in New Jersey. And also Daniel Wright um, wrote a, a post on Shadowproof essentially saying the same thing, that um, that Donald Trump might have not been making up 100% what he said, that he actually might have been misremembering this real event in New Jersey. My theory is that he's actually misremembering a combination of a real of two real events. The footage on television that we all saw and what happened in New Jersey, which was relatively underreported, but still made a lot of, uh, it still made the rounds. A lot of people remember some of the vague details about that. Unfortunately, like I was mentioning earlier, 
that entire thread of 9-11 has been buried underneath um, a large swath of anti-Semitic internet uh, like websites. Um, not saying at all that people who still follow up on that research are anti-Semitic, but it cannot be denied that when you do a search for it on Google, I'd say 90% of the results are Holocaust denying websites, um, clearly white supremacist websites, um, you know, so that's a problem. Unfortunately, that you, you can't get around that. I mean, you can only really talk about the facts. But anyways, I, I don't even think that's all the time I'm going to spend on that New Jersey incident. The rest of the podcast I want to spend actually chronologically laying out on the, the morning of 9-11 the different things we were exposed to that not only created racist indoctrination in us, but also allowed us to believe um, for several hours on 9-11 that the Palestinians were behind the attacks, not bin Laden. I think it's it's worth playing this clip. Um, Some of their listeners uh, of Media Roots are going to hate me for this, Um, probably including Abby if she listens to this, but I'm going to play a clip right now from the Opie and Jim uh, radio show, used to be called Opie and Anthony. It's just to illustrate this story is being churned through the media right now and how important details are being missed. But then Opie and Jim, as they're talking about this, um, Jim Norton actually remembers the video footage that I'm talking about. They go to Snopes. Um, and it just I just wanted to play this just to give you an example of sort of the confusion that we are still all experiencing about why that video footage was aired on 9-11 and sort of the memory that it implanted in us that we're still feeling emotional ripple effects of today. The uh, people cheering after 9-11. Yeah, we can go to that. He's getting a lot of flack for that one today. Because I believe that was proven to be a myth even back then. That they were not actually cheering because of 9-11. What were they cheering about? I don't remember, but I remember the clip. It showed some people in the street in New Jersey, but I don't think they were happy about 9-11. Again, I'm, that, if it's the clip I'm thinking of. Jersey City. Yeah. Uh, well, Donald Trump swears it happened, and uh, people kind of calling him out on it today. Let's uh, play the clip. Some eyebrows yesterday with comments you made at, at your latest rally. I want to show them relating to 9-11. Heck is. Hey, I watched when the World Trade Center came tumbling down. And I watched in Jersey City, New Jersey, where thousands and thousands of people were cheering as that building was coming down. Thousands of people were cheering. You know, the police say that didn't happen at all. Those rumors have been on the internet for some time. So did you misspeak yesterday? I saw it. It You saw that with your own eyes? I saw it on television. He just gave oh, every no. excuse I gave in an argument in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on TV, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's out of my hands. This is what I saw on TV. What channel? I don't know. What clip did he say? I know the clip he means. The chip of the, the clip of the, Can you just Google that myth? Uh, people yeah. cheering after 9 yeah. 11. You see them like out in the street or whatever, and I remember I, being I mad about it. I remember that, but. It's, Man, what a fucking awful time to hear good news. It just turned out about something else. Yes, Snope, the Palestinians dancing in the street. False footage. False footage. CNN used old footage to fake images of Palestinians dancing in the street after the terrorist attack Let's see. on the USA. Well, that's it, false. So they're saying that it was false. They didn't use uh, false imagery. Right. All right. So the so the imagery was... Uh, was uh, go back, go back. All right. It says, I think this is a different story. Oh, it aired at 12 p.m. And if you think about that, that's really only about... Think about that for a second. Two hours after 
we were still in the middle of a national emergency where people in New York or on the East Coast did not know yet if their loved ones were alive or dead. There, some casualties were being estimated as high as twenty to 30,000 people died in the World Trade Center that early in the morning. Think about that. Um, that the media decided to air live footage of Palestinians celebrating in the streets on 9-11. It was incredibly weird they would all decide to air this footage at the same time. The footage was allegedly taken by a Reuters cameraman who happened to be there for some other story on 9-11, and then he immediately sent the footage home. I I find that strange in and of itself, even if that's what really happened. I believe that that footage being aired at such a crucial moment, um, when we were all emotionally traumatized watching the towers uh, that had just collapsed, it was designed to make us basically hate Arabs or Muslims across the board, not just specifically the people who might have been behind this attacks. But it was sort of implanted in a way where it was like, all of these people fucking hate us and they're celebrating our deaths. Even, you know, this group of people in Israel that had nothing to do with the attacks. But it turns out that in reality, um, apart, even apart from this footage, there are a lot of other examples of things being leaked into the U.S. press on the day and the morning of 9-11 trying to tie Palestinians to the 9-11 attacks not just showing Palestinians celebrating or cheering, even if that's what they were really doing. I'm still very skeptical about that angle of it. But I'm talking about actual examples of uh, Palestinian group, terrorist groups being blamed for the 9-11 attacks. Now I'm going to go through some of those examples for you. This was originally going to be in its own Media Roots podcast. I decided to talk about just some of this now because I think it's worth going back into this um, it's been memory hold a little bit. I mean, you know, most people, when they would hear about that, if they didn't remember it, they might brush it off and think, well, you know, what does that mean? That's not, you know, that's not meaningful. You know, the timing of that, you know, just because the media aired that all at the same time or, you know, during the national emergency doesn't mean that it was some kind of like conspiracy to frame Palestinians. I'm not saying that like Katie Couric and all the people who are airing this footage were sort of in on a conspiracy. But I do think someone was trying to spin their own narrative. And I still don't really know, you know, who that might have been. So on the morning of 9-11, there was already a, a story in the Newswire services. Um, I'll read it. It's an Associated Press story. It starts with, Israel and Palestinians said they were willing to hold high-level truce talks today despite a series of deadly weekend attacks by Arab militants, but remained at odds over where the meeting should took, p- take place. Throwing further uncertainty on the talks, Israeli tanks began shelling the West Bank town of Jenin and a nearby refugee camp early today. So on 8.49 in the morning, the first tower was hit by a plane. On 9.03, the second tower was hit by a plane. And on 9.37, the Pentagon was hit by a plane. Now, from about 9.50 a.m. to 10.24 a.m., Right after it was unequivocally sort of understood that this had to be some kind of coordinated terrorist attack and not just accidental plane crashes. This is after the third target was hit, the Pentagon. 9.50 to 10.24 a.m. The Reuters Newswire Service and Associated Press and Tom Brokaw 
reported that the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine claims responsibility for the explosion of the World Trade Center. Uh, that was one of the ways it was worded. But in general, uh, the wire services as early as 9.50 in the morning were already reporting that a Palestinian terrorist group had taken responsibility for the 9-11 attacks. Just sit and think about that for a second, how that might have shaped our worldview from that point on. Being in the middle of that emotionally traumatic incident, watching that on TV, and then hearing that, here we are sitting there watching the TV, everyone's glued to the TV across the country, and the first thing everyone's thinking once they realize this is some kind of coordinated attack, basically, against the United States, is who did it? Who did it? And they were given their answer um, right after the Pentagon was hit. Not until the idea that bin Laden might have been behind this did that idea of Palestinians being behind the attacks dissipate. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail right now. But basically this claim of responsibility by the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine echoed and reverberated throughout the mainstream media um, all throughout the morning, uh, starting from about 9.40 um, to about 10.30. So first, before the, f- the first tower is hit, we start having news stories about Israeli-Palestinian relations breaking down and um, new military actions and, and Israeli soldiers being killed and shelling of the West Bank and all this different stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, three targets get hit in the United States, um, all within one hour of one another. And then um, a, the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine claimed responsibility for the attacks. I remember this from the day of 9-11, but I wasn't able to really prove this theory necessarily until I got a hold of the WikiLeaks 9-11 um, pager data leaks. They have an entire, uh, I believe it's like the two days starting in the morning of 9-11, like starting at like 12 a.m. on 9-11-01, um, all the way until like the next day, 9-12, uh, somewhere I think at the end of the day. And basically it's all this pager data um, that was logged, and I'm not really sure what pager service it was, but basically to make a long story short, all the newswire services uh, that came in through this pager system are logged and timestamped, which is really, really useful information to sort of trace this, um, what could be potentially someone trying to insert propaganda blaming Palestinians for the attacks. You can sort of trace it throughout the time, this very short timeline happening throughout the day of 9-11. And I'll explain that in a second what I mean. And I know this might sound a little bit crazy to people who, you know, might be just listening to this podcast for the first time or whatever, but um, this is all verified information. You can find, you can look all this up yourself. Um, First, one of the things you can do to verify what I'm saying is just type in the um, acronym for the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine, the DFLP, and 9-11, and you'll find plenty of stories about how this group was essentially um, framed. And when I say framed, um, I mean that someone actually called the television network, uh, again, an Arab television network, they say, um, and actually 
framed this group by saying the person who was calling in claimed they were the head of this group and that they were responsible for the attacks. That's how the U.S. media says that it got um, reported and then they picked up on it from there. The interesting thing to me about that is when, when we did the beheading hoax video in 2004, that was the same thing the U.S. media said about our video, that the reason they reported it being true was because it was reported as true on an Arab television network. In my mind, I feel like the U.S. media has used that as an excuse to deflect um, them basically spreading unverified information many, many times, blaming it on foreign news channels, essentially. Um, you know, we, we're not responsible. We just reported it because this foreign news channel reported it. I mean, that sounds like a believable excuse, but they've used that excuse a lot. So that's what they said about why they reported this Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine response, claim of responsibility for 9-11. But it turns out that the group was completely not responsible. Um, the guy actually had to go on uh, media channels on the day of 9-11 after he got wind of this uh, information about his group and deny the claims of responsibility. But by the time he did it, I think that the psychological effect and the trauma um, that it had combined with the dancing Palestinians in the streets footage, it didn't matter at that point because sort of that racist narrative had already been created that these people hate us um they're they're cheering our deaths and it's not just al-qaeda it's not just people in afghanistan it's people in palestine um you know it's 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 all of them uh, essentially i think that's what it was was doing um to us psychologically and that never really uh faded i think that that stuck with us because of this little extra thread about Palestinians that existed on the day of 9-11. And right now I'm going to play a few examples of mainstream media here reporting this claim back, including one from Tom Brokaw, um, where he says that the D, uh, DFLP is one of the most militant groups. But then at the same time, he's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, we got to take these claims of responsibility carefully, acting like, you know, it's not verified. Tom Brokaw reported the following at 9.40 a.m., um, literally within minutes of the Pentagon being hit by a plane. People who they think are in, and, or know are involved in terrorism around the world. There has been a claim of responsibility, according to the Raiders News Agency, uh, made to Abu Dhabi television uh, in the Persian Gulf from uh, something called the Palestinian DFLP. Uh, the Palestinian DFLP is something called the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine. Um, it has been for many, many years one of the uh, most militant of the Palestinian organizations. Um, has been involved in violence before, has been involved in, uh, in, in other actions before, and it is the first organization to claim responsibility for this, though we have to caution you in all the obvious ways that before the day is over, um, there may be any number of people who claim responsibility. The next segment from Fox News 11 was aired at 10, 11 a.m. Aaron Brown uh, reporting. This is Steve Edwards back here on Fox 11. And uh, we're getting reports now that one Palestinian organization, one Palestinian organization is claiming uh, that the responsibility identified as the Palestinian group, the DFLP. Let's go back. The second time. 
So that narrative was already sort of being speculated on, obviously, by people in these press rooms. They were probably already thinking, oh, well, that makes sense because our first newswire service when we got into work in the morning was basically talking about Israeli uh, relations with Palestinians. I believe this is from the Washington Post and the BBC, but I'm not sure. I copy and pasted the next section I'm about to read from you from something. I don't if you, if someone out there is listening in there, they wrote this, please let me know. Um, I apologize for not being able to source it. Usually I'm a little bit better about this kind of thing. But someone wrote about this phenomenon a little bit. They noted that, quote, hours after a spokesperson for the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine denied any responsibility for the attack, the Drudge Report website still had the headline, Palestinian group says responsible at the top of the page fucking a yeah that's i mean that's really huge because drudge report at the time um had just you know broke the monica Lewinsky story they were really hot people were really um into their website at the time it was it was extremely influential and the fact that they were still running with this hours after the guy denied responsibility for it the head of this group as is pretty fucking insane and it continues on to say, though the threat from a Palestinian group proved un- unsubstantiated, that did not stop media from making gross generaliz- generalizations about Arabs and Islam in general. Now, the next one is pretty interesting because this one comes in the form of an FBI official leaking information to the media, an, an anonymous FBI official. In only a few variations of this media report did we get that tidbit about how it got leaked to the media but as far as i know um that part of the media story was never actually written down that this was information leaked by an fbi uh person it only was spoken aloud on on tv media on the day of 9-11 so anyways on 11 31 a.m basically the news was saying a fourth plane allegedly crashes at camp david camp david is is a secret location. It's the place where um, presidents sometimes take retreats. The Oslo Peace Accords were sort of uh, were, where they took place, where Yasser Arafat and other Israeli leaders were brought there to try to broker some kind of peace deal. This happened from September 5th to the 17th, 1978. Um, the actual deal was struck on the 18th of September, 1978, uh, between Jimmy Carter and uh, the, the leaders of Israel and the Palestinian territories. Now, the reason that's important is because the media started to speculate, once again, the Palestinian connection, that the reason why the plane crashed into Camp David was because September 11th was the anniversary of the signing of the Oslo Peace Accords which, as I just explained, is actually not true. September 18th was the day that they were finalized. Uh, The negotiations lasted from the 5th of September to the 17th. So you have to wonder, why would the media be repeating this idea that that September 11th was the anniversary of the Oslo Peace Accords when it wasn't? Um, And the fact that the actual information of this leak that the fourth plane crashed into Camp David because of that came from an FBI official makes me think that this FBI official was a best case scenario, extremely hasty and irresponsible in leaking this to the press, not realizing the dates didn't line up, 
or it was intentional misinformation to once again link this idea, even though it wasn't true. But once again, the media took the that concept that the fourth target was Camp David, and it was done for the Oslo Peace Accords anniversary. I think that the whole Camp David fourth target thing was intrinsically linked with this bit of misinformation or disinformation, if you will, about the Oslo Peace Accords. Because the very earliest reports of what happened to the fourth plane were basically that it hit Camp David um, or that it was on its way to Camp David even before it was confirmed to have crashed uh, because of the Oslo Peace Accords. And I'll play you some clips, um, several clips from the media explaining this. Now, the only firm information that uh, the FBI has uh, shared so far is that the United Flight, United Flight 93, is apparently the aircraft that went down in the vicinity of Camp David. United Airlines Flight 93 leaves Newark International Airport bound for San Francisco at about 10 a.m. It goes into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Well short of its apparent intended target, the presidential retreat at Camp David, Maryland. That 757 crashed about 80 miles southeast of Pittsburgh. There were 45 people on board. Virginia Congressman Jim Moran was briefed by the Marine Corps on that crash. Moran says the plane was apparently headed for Camp David, the president's retreat in western Maryland. The plane crashed about 85 miles northwest of Camp David. Pennsylvania, people reported a low-flying jet a few miles from Camp David in Maryland. They saw... And perhaps ironically, the location where the Camp David Middle East Peace Accord was signed. They are also pointing, Dan, as we said earlier, at the, the, the coincidence here of this date. Uh, and, and dates are extremely important in the terrorist world. Uh, sometimes they escape the notice of American intelligence. Obviously, this one did. Uh, we've been caught flat-footed, in the words of one senior official. But September the 11th, uh, 1978, was the signing of the Camp David Accords, uh, which has long been a matter of uh, uh, dispute and uh, notation in the, uh, in the Islamic uh, world. Jim, about this report that a United Airlines plane has crashed into Camp David, Maryland, the presidential retreat just outside of Washington, uh, repeat the source on that for our listeners and viewers, please. Uh, the source of this information is uh, uh, an FBI uh, official in Washington who says that he has been informed by the FAA. Uh, has not confirmed it himself, but has been informed by the FAA that a United Airlines flight, he uh, says it's United Airlines Flight 93, has crashed into the vicinity of or at Camp David. Uh, Dan, I will tell you one other thing, too, that uh, the FBI and terrorist experts here have immediately noted, and that is today, uh, September the 11th, is the anniversary of the Camp David Accords. Uh, signed at that uh, historic location after after weeks of, uh, of negotiations between the Arabs and the Israelis and of course has been a thorn in the side of, uh, of both parties now for some years and, and a source of great uh, consternation. Uh, you can't help but notice, uh, uh, according to the FBI, uh, the coincidence of the date and now, if this is true, uh, the coincidence of the target. Dan, Jim come into... Now, just so you know that I'm not just repeating, you know, a few different little tidbits from the media and that nobody really believed this at the time. Again, the WikiLeaks pager data reflects that private communications happening back and forth between individuals 
were responding to this story in the media all in unison because they were sort of watching TV or, or listening to the radio or whatever when it was happening. Um, at 11.31 a.m., uh, someone says a plane crashed into Camp David. Someone else says at 11.31, have you heard about all the madness? Crashes in New York, Pittsburgh, Camp David, Pentagon. Um, someone at 11.32 says unconfirmed reports of plane crash at Camp David now. Uh, and then again, uh, this must be a wire service report. This one actually says confirmed. 11.37, Pittsburgh with 440 on board confirmed that a plane has crashed into Camp David north of Frederick, Maryland. So at exactly 12 p.m., uh, right after Ehud Barak, uh, the uh, ex-Israeli prime minister, was being interviewed on the BBC about why we should fight a war on terror, as far as I know, that's the first person ever to coin the phrase on the day of um, 9-11. He actually said a war against terror, not a war on terror. But even still, um, pretty prescient dude. Uh, one hour after he appeared on BBC... Uh, pretty much one hour after the towers collapsed, um, he, uh, the Palestinian dancing in the street footage is aired on every major television network, news network in the country. Um, Howard Stern was reacted to the footage in real time on his live broadcast. Uh, he basically, as he was watching it, he said that we should bomb the Middle East. We should nuke uh, like Palestine, basically, and kill all their children, too because their children are going to grow up to be terrorists. Um, and this is just his natural gut reaction watching the situation unfold right after the towers had collapsed. And I'm sure that he wasn't alone in those feelings. Like I said, I believe that this Palestinian blame for 9-11 was not necessarily designed to permanently blame or like frame Palestinians for 9-11 attacks. It might have been there so that people could start making the leap from Al-Qaeda, the specific group that attacked us, to just all Arabs, or Palestinians are just as bad as these terrorists who attacked us on 9-11, you know, at the very least. Um, and I think psychologically it did that. It really did that to a lot of people, most of us um, who, were, who were watching TV and who saw that on that day, whether we remember it now or not. Now, when you go to Snopes.com, um, there's an interesting thing where it's like, were the Palestinians dancing in the streets or not on 9-11? Was that footage real? Snopes.com says it is real. And according to all reports, it actually is real footage. Now, people like Mark Crispin Miller and some other people have written critical uh, reports on that footage to try to debunk it. But... What I've, I mean, every time I've researched it, it seems like it actually is footage recorded right after 9-11 in Palestinian territories. Um, people have said that the light would not be that light outside. It would be actually dark because the time difference there. But it's actually not true if you look up the time differences between New York and that area of the world. Um, if you look at the, the time zones, um, it's not that's not true the, the the lighting is actually would be that lighting so the question really is for me is why was the Reuters cameraman there filming that and why did he send it off to all of the media organizations so quickly right after he filmed it obviously he could have just like piped it into like the news van or something 
why would a Reuters cameraman just be like on there on the ground and have that footage like ready to be queued up and sent to the media so quickly? That's to me is weird, you know, but then when you think about what I'm saying seems to imply that this was somehow like set up that this guy was like sent out there to try to get incriminating looking footage of like Arabs celebrating 9-11 and, you know, on purpose by someone. I have no clue, but it's still, I guess what's weird for me is that someone would, would send that off, um, with sort of like an urgency, like you got to air this, you got to see this footage right now. This is crazy. And we're talking, this is 12 PM that it actually aired. This is three hours, um, a little over three hours after the first plane hit the world trade center. Uh, that's pretty incredible that they would air that this soon um and instead of waiting like later in the evening and being like hey guess what remember when all that shit happened today well in palestine they were celebrating it you know like at like eight o'clock that night or something but instead um when people were still looking for their loved ones in the rubble and watching this disaster unfold at home uh, they decided to air this simultaneously the timing of it was simultaneous as if they just couldn't restrain themselves from airing it. I mean, that's the, one of the strange parts about it is that every single news desk that this landed on or our news studio decided that the time that it landed on their desk, which seem, seemingly was at the same time, it was a good time to run it. And they all ran with it at the same fucking time, uh, within minutes of each other. Um, and I'm going to play for you right now clips showing, uh, I mean, not showing, but you, because this is an audio podcast. But if you look up these clips on YouTube, you can look them up. You can see the time uh, of the airing of this um, footage of the Palestinians celebrating the streets was pretty much at the same time. The V sign for victory being displayed uh, in uh, East Jerusalem today among jubilant Palestinians uh, that the United States had been subject to this attack. What are we to make of that, Jennifer? Um, are we to, uh, Yasser Arafat may issue this condemnation. Look at this. We're seeing uh, people applauding, clapping, smiling, uh, happy to, to know that thousands of Americans have died in this sneak attack. And there you see a V for victory sign uh, held up to the camera. Uh, what are we to make of that, and what are we to make of what uh, about what uh, Yasser Arafat said today? Pat Dawson, thanks very much. We have some videotape. I understand that we're going to show you uh, from the West Bank. These are Palestinian celebrations in the wake of Tuesday's terror attacks in the United States. How apparently Palestinians took to the street chanting "God is great." People were throwing candy, distributing candy to passersby. The U.S. government obviously has become increasingly unpopular, particularly in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, because Palestinians feel that the U.S. government has sided with Israel. One man, Nawal Abdel Fattah, wearing a long black dress, threw sweets in the air, saying, actually, that's a woman, pardon me, saying she was happy because, quote, America is the head of the snake. America always stands by Israel in its war against us. Meanwhile, Yasser Arafat emerged to speak with the United States, blamed by some Palestinians for its ongoing support, as it is seen, of Israel in this uh, conflict, in this Middle Eastern conflict. However, while some Palestinians were taking to the streets in apparent celebration, one youth was quoted as saying, as he received a sweet, sweet handed around in celebration, this is a sweet from Osama bin Laden, he said. 
I totally went off on a tangent after the Snopes thing, but Snopes basically is saying that this is real footage. Um, but the real question I don't think is asked because what Snopes is responding to is something that was a chain letter going around right after 9-11 saying that it was actually footage that had been filmed during the Gulf War, like in 1991, and that CNN was re-airing it. Now, I'm going to go into, uh, you need to listen to basically the real podcast about this, which is going to come out later, but I'm going to go into every single angle of this specific concept that I'm talking about here in this podcast, the idea of Palestinians being blamed for the 9-11 attacks and why I think different people um, or maybe even the same people are leaking information to the press trying to set up uh, Palestinians. But there's a whole other rabbit hole about what I believe to be an attempt to deflect away from real questions about why that footage was aired. And that was a chain letter going around suggesting that the footage was a hoax. And most of the people who went at this footage to try to figure out what it was were pretty much just trying to debunk the idea that it was a hoax instead of like asking why it was aired at the same time on the television networks and why they thought that was a good idea to air that. Why that, um, you know, how that even happened really. But Snopes basically points out something that was reported in other wire services. And I find this sort of odd also, but this might, I mean, this might be true is that, um, Palestinian gunmen at refugee camps in Lebanon fired into the air to celebrate the attacks on major U.S. landmarks and government offices. Now, that's what Snopes points you to prove that the Palestinians dancing in the streets footage is real. But I don't really necessarily think that that's true. Now, the first thing that comes to mind when I read that report is the timing of it. As far as I could find on the 9-11 WikiLeaks pager data is that it says 12.13 um, on 9-11, 12.13 p.m., uh, Palestinian gunmen at refugee camp in Lebanon fired into the air to celebrate news of the attacks on major U.S. landmarks and government offices. I can't see what news agency wire this is from, but it's, it says M. George. So I don't know if that's, maybe that's a newspaper. Maybe someone else who's read through these WikiLeaks pat, uh, pager leaks can decipher that. But the timing is interesting because, like I was just saying, at 12 p.m., uh, pretty much on the dot, even some of these news agencies right before 12, like 11.58, were airing footage of Palestinians allegedly dancing in the streets to celebrate 9-11. So that's weird that another wire service would come through and just, again, link Palestinians. So I guess this is almost like a fourth thing because this was actually a separate wire story that came out on the uh, afternoon of 9-11 not even later on the Snopes um, article doesn't even make that clear but that's I think worth noting in and of itself they also claim that there's other reports on the ground in Palestine of people sent claiming that they witnessed the same thing now three different reports one of them is the only one that seems to corroborate the, what the video claims to be showing you know, that's that's still, in my mind, a little bit of a reach. It's not necessarily proof. But again, I'm open to believing it's, it's you know, it's real video. But again, even if it is, that's not the question people should be asking. Israel National News claims 
that State Department officials were releasing unofficial statements about Palestinians taking credit. So that's really interesting. That's the only time I've seen that. 5.12 p.m. Now, when I was writing the notes for the show, um, what's weird sometimes is sometimes when I compile the outlines for what I'm going to do in these podcasts, I, I must have done this such a long time ago because I've been working on this uh, this idea to do a much longer podcast out of uh, for at least six months. But I, I'm really shocked actually reading this article now because I do not remember reading it. I mean, basically what this article is saying, um, it's from an Israeli news outlet. It's still saying at 5.14 p.m. And this might be Israeli time. So, But anyways, the headline for this article is the DFLP claims responsibility for the World Trade Center attack. And I had originally put this in the outline as just an example of, oh, well, this is sort of a, you know proof that even though bin Laden was being blamed for the attack later, there were still news outlets running with the other narrative that it was Palestinians. But I didn't realize that it had this quote at the bottom. I mean, this to me is almost, is probably the closest thing we're going to get um, out of any official news sources about what was actually happening in terms of this information coming through into the media on 9-11 from the government, the U.S. government, I mean. And I'll, let me read that quote again. This news article, which is basically echoing the idea that the DFLP was responsible for the attacks, says State Department officials are already releasing unofficial statements that Palestinian terror organizations are claiming responsibility for the attacks. So that's interesting because that almost shows there was a bridge between this, you know, if this was some supposed Arab television channel, then maybe, it, let's just assume that was true, that, that originally someone called into and claimed they were the DFLP spokesperson and they did 9-11, then, the, then this meant that someone at the State Department uh, was relaying that information to the media and sort of passing on. But more likely, now that I've read this, is that... Um, the State Department was leaking false information to the U.S. press, maybe. that's That puts a whole new spin on it for me, because in my mind this whole time, I was sort of implying or understanding that the Bush administration wasn't running with this narrative about the DFLP or Palestinians at all. They never really touched on it at all, as far as I know. So I figured that you know the rest of the main U.S. government sort of foreign policy branches would be on the same page with that. But this suggests something different, that the State Department at the same time was leaking, was leaking this. You know, it's anonymous. They, nobody put a name to these uh, State Department unofficial statements. Now, the part of this that was inevitable uh, that had to be talked about is what was the motive uh, behind wanting to frame Palestinians or at least make them look like monsters who were celebrating our deaths on 9-11. What was the motive behind trying to do that? This is complete speculation, um, but you know, one of the obvious ones that comes to mind would be um, that people sympathetic to Israel uh, in, in the United States or even maybe people inside the Bush administration sympathetic to them were trying to take advantage of the situation basically help out Israel's sort of more long-term strategic goals out of um, what came out of 
Um, they might have been thinking ahead and, and knew that they could seize on it and uh, and help out um, is, Israeli interests in, in the West Bank and in terms of their Palestinian populations. What's interesting is uh, that's pretty much the effect that it had. Um, and it, And I'm not... And when I say that, I'm not speculating that that's the effect that it had, um, that they were able to do that and and treat the Palestinians more harshly as a result of the sort of leap from who did 9-11 to Palestinians, um, to Palestinians are celebrating. I might be wrong about the theory that uh, there was a concerted and coordinated effort to frame Palestinians for the 9-11 attacks. Um, I'm willing to admit that. This is just a theory that I'm laying out here. However, it's undeniable, and I think you cannot dispute the psychological effect all of those different pieces of propaganda had, and the lasting effect that it had. And I'm going to read to you an article right now, which essentially is saying that. Um, it's called 9-11 Remembered, Palestinians the Forgotten Victims. It's from the National a media outlet from the United Arab Emirates. Uh, it starts with, Some foreign news outlets reported that in the immediate aftermath of the 9-11 attacks, thousands of Palestinians in the occupied West Bank, angry at U.S. support for Israel's actions in occupied territories, had rejoiced, chanting, God is great, and distributing sweets to passersby. They also reported that dozens of uniformed Palestinian guerrillas at a refugee camp in Lebanon had fired assault rifles and rocket-propelled grenades into the air in celebration. And I'm going to stop for a second right there. That sounds car absolutely cartoonish. And how weird is it that this story came out about 10 minutes later through the wire about these, these refugee camp Palestinians um, after the footage was aired on TV of all of them celebrating the streets but then, like, the, the story is just about the Palestinians at the camp. How would have some... I, what's interesting is, was this just a, a camp in Lebanon that was only Palestinians? Um, maybe that's what the news is trying to say. Um, but it's just funny how that would be the assumption that all... That there were Palestinians who were doing this, like, in a refugee camp shooting rocket-propelled grenades. And, and it doesn't really sound like a normal refugee camp or if they were able to shoot guns and rocket-propelled grenades into the air. So that brings it into question, how do they know some of them weren't Lebanese or, or completely non-Palestinian people? Um, th that's very odd, I think, for a news story like that to come out, especially at that particular time, saying definitively that these were Palestinians shooting guns and rocket-propelled grenades into the air. How, what does that even mean, shooting rocket-propelled grenades into the air where? I've never even seen, like I've watched a lot of, videos of um you know insurgents in Iraq and ISIS fighting and I've never seen anybody do something that dumb um I've seen like a, people accidentally like let a tank shell off like during in the middle of like a parade of different um military vehicles I've seen that but I mean shooting a rocket propelled grenade into the air uh that's something I have not seen so that it's very hard for me to believe that now the more that I think about it um the story continues Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat expressed shock at the attacks. It continues, nevertheless, the perception of a happy, even gloating Palestinian public stuck. And they mean stuck permanently, uh, because that's also what I believe, is that it still has an effect. And Donald Trump is one of those people who has still been, been affected by this. 
not just by the idea that Palestinians were celebrating our death, but that just Arabs were, which I think is even more destructive and damaging. It totally plays on our ignorance and fear. The article continues, Controversial Israeli military strategies for combating Palestinian violence, such as extrajudicial detentions, targeted killings, and the profiling of terror suspects, became state-of-the-art, sought-after commodities by law enforcement and intelligence agencies around the world. Into the bargain, Israel's military got a license for less restraint in the Palestinian territories. It was a new chapter of security called the three G's, gates, guards, and guns, Mr. Abdul Hadi said. Shlomo Brahm, a former director of the Israeli Army Strategic Planning Division, believes 9-11 created, quote, more understanding for Israeli military actions, although the cost in innocent lives was often high. Disputed Israeli operations such as targeted assassinations or the deliberate killing of militants became an accepted norm, said Mr. Brahm, now a senior analyst at Israel's Institute for National Security Studies. When we started with targeted killings, it wasn't clear whether it was legitimate, he said. But with the war on terror, the U.S. began doing it on a daily basis in Pakistan with drones, and it became a, a legitimate operational means. Now, this may seem redundant to go into this again, but uh, we're, we're going according to the, the timeline here. At 1.37 p.m., uh, a wire came through, again, uh, going by the WikiLeaks pager data, saying three Palestinian groups, Hamas, the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine, and Islamic Jihad denied responsibility for the attacks, but blame U.S. policies in the Middle East. Uh, that's funny that they, they put that at the end of the wire service. So it's almost like, even with their denial, the media is still trying to like fuel that flame, <laughs> um, which is kind of ridiculous, but you know... The, the head of the organization, the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine, um, was extremely upset, obviously, when he heard, when someone uh, notified him that his group had taken credit for the attacks. Now, it wasn't until 1.37 p.m. and later in the day did this denial start to go through the media. And I'm going to play a clip right now of um, TV news media uh broadcasting the denial of responsibility. Tom and, and Matt and Bob, apparently a senior official from the Radical Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine, denied on Tuesday the group had any connection to the plane crash. An anonymous caller had told uh, television that it was behind the crash, but, quote, I emphasize that the story released on television by an anonymous person is totally incorrect. Tassir Khaled, a senior official from the DFLP Politburo in the Palestinian territories, told Reuters. The DFLP is against hijacking planes and against endangering the lives of civilians who are not connected with the struggle of this region, he said. There are going to be a lot of claims and counterclaims in the, in the course of the next 24 hours or so. This is a... Uh... Um, and keep in mind, the uh, responsibility, claim of responsibility was 9.40 a.m. We're already at 1.37 p.m. You know, that's almost, that's over three and a half hours after the 9-11 attacks were finished pretty much when the Pentagon was hit that we're getting the denial of responsibility. Now I'm going to read a little bit from an article called Tiny Palestinian Group Dodged Blame on 9-11. Uh, it's from a place called the Mayan News Agency. It's by Jenny Babone and George Hale. It says, Kais Abu Laia was ready to head home from his Ramallah office when a telephone call thrusted him into the center of an unfolding event which for many would define the coming decade. 
It was late afternoon on September 11, 2001, and the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine had just hijacked a civilian airliner and crashed it through the upper floors of a U.S. skyscraper, or so the caller heard on the news. Ten years have passed, and yet it remains a mystery to this Palestinian lawmaker how his small party, the DFLP, became identified initially as a possible suspect in a quadruple hijacking that leveled two skyscrapers, killed 3,000 people, and sparked two American invasions which left thousands more dead. Quote, At that moment, news of the attack wasn't even on TV yet. Nothing was clear, says Abu, a senior political officer in the Marxist group. All we knew was a plane had been hijacked. In fact, four planes were then under the control of 19 hijackers. Um, Goes on to say blah, blah, blah. And then when an anonymous tip-off to Abu Dhabi TV set off a frenzy of speculation that the Palestinians were involved, the claim of DFLP's responsibility picked up by Reuters at 9.43 a.m. New York time coincided with the crash of a third airliner into the Pentagon near Washington, D.C., Abu and others swiftly dismissed the possibility, and the claim was soon discredited by various experts and security officials. Quote, I immediately denied the reports, unquote, Abu said Friday in an interview. Quote, the DFLP does not even confront Israel. How would it confront the U.S.? It also opposes attacks on countries that are not a party to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, end quote. Next, Abu and other officials initiated a swift review of DFLP operations worldwide making frantic contacts with headquarters throughout the occupied territories and across the Arab world. I called all the DFLP offices outside Palestine. I made sure they had no connection to the attacks or even the media reports. Fearing there had been a leak of some kind or misunderstanding, I sought assurances from the DFLP leadership. They were not even aware of the attacks. Hardly remembered a decade later, that initial claim reached a large audience at the time, and with live footage of Palestinians celebrating and Nablus and Lebanon... Uh, This story, I think, maybe gets the second part wrong. There is no footage, to my knowledge, of anything in Lebanon. It further inflamed emotions in the U.S. In New York, the level of anger seemed to rise by the hour over the course of the day, according to the contents of private pager data that was released to the public by WikiLeaks in 2009. A review of the 500,000 messages shows that Americans were discussing the supposed DFLP claim as early as 9.52 a.m., Quote, a Palestinian militia group has claimed responsibility for the attacks on the World Trade Center and presumably for the Pentagon bombing, said one of those first messages. Four minutes later, another pager message reported that the White House had been threatened with a terrorist attack. Palestinian group has claimed responsibility. The updates would continue as the attacks unfolded, beginning with the DFLP's supposed role, then noting Palestinian leadership's condemnation and finally outrage at the images of the celebrations. 1032, another uh, claim of responsibility comes in. 11.03, a claim of responsibility comes in. 11.12, claim of responsibility comes in. So pretty much from within the hours of 10.32 and like 12, it was building up. It was already echoing. The WikiLeaks pager data shows that a lot of people were already assuming that Palestinians were behind the attacks. And then about an hour and a half later, uh, they were shown footage on TV of Palestinians celebrating in the streets. So this article is actually what got me to look at the WikiLeaks pager data. So um, thank you, George Hale and Jenny, for writing this. Um, really useful to me. I'm not sure what the time zone was, but basically this guy says, uh, Abu continues on to say, it was around 1 a.m. here when the DFLP was cleared um, and Ramallah. 
something that that I failed to report uh, that I probably should have mentioned earlier uh, was that right before they aired that footage of allegedly of Palestinians dancing in the streets, um, Yasser Arafat went on television, live TV, and condemned the attacks. And then the next day, uh, he was shown giving blood uh, to um, the Red Cross, I believe. Now, some have said that that event was actually staged, uh, but it w- he was still doing it, even if it, w- it was staged or not, uh, as like PR, re- like damage control um, over all that footage and the association to Palestinians that people have been um, misled into believing on 9-11. Now I'm going to wind down the podcast right about now. What happened next, um, I'll just give you a loose chronology. Uh, Basically, bin Laden um, was determined as the perpetrator of the attacks not too long after the denial of responsibility by the DFLP came out. Um, Around 2 o'clock, it was being widely reported across the media that uh, the U.S. government believed this to be bin Laden. Which is interesting because who who was leaking this stuff from the State Department and the FBI suggesting otherwise so early in the day, as early as 940? Was it people in the Bush administration um, with different uh, agendas than the Bush administration? We don't really know. Best case scenario, it was just extremely hasty and irresponsible leaking on behalf of the U.S. government. But I think that would be giving, you know, that would be brushing off some of the the evidence that I've laid out um, on this podcast this evening. But just to summarize uh, what we talked about for the last, uh, holy shit, um, hour or so, uh, is that Donald Trump is wrong. Um, he's a dumbass, but he might actually be confusing two real events that happened around the time of 9-11 or actually on the day of 9-11 that we as a public don't really remember very well. And by that, I just mean that we don't remember the specifics of either of those events. One of the event was that we were shown on all of the television networks, um, new television news networks, footage of Palestinians allegedly dancing in the streets in celebration to 9-11. A few hours later, a woman called the police on four men who were filming and and apparently jumping up and down um, in celebration when the World Trade Centers collapsed. She thought they were Middle Eastern men. The police came and arrested them. It was discovered these were Israeli men who were then suspected to be spies and they were detained. And they were later um, deported back to Israel and with no charges. Both of those events actually happened. And uh, that last event I just described happened in New Jersey. The other event um, happened apparently in Israel, filmed by a Reuters cameraman, then broadcast to all of our television networks uh, at the same time at around 12 p.m. on the day of 9-11. If you listen back to what Donald Trump actually said, it seems like he is mixing together those two different things. So I think that's getting lost a little bit just in this discussion and and people's tendency to want to like jump on him and make fun of him um which is completely understandable i mean he's a total piece of shit but 
I just want my point to be clear is that there is some actual factual history getting lost here that I think is a lot more interesting than than sort of reacting um, to what Donald Trump is saying. But then the other part of what I've just gone over in this podcast is evidence that there was an attempt to frame Palestinians and Palestinian terrorist groups, specifically the DFLP, on the day of 9-11, once very specifically by a false claim of responsibility that was leaked to the press and that also um, was said to have come from Abu Dhabi television via an anonymous caller who called in and said that they were a DFLP spokesperson and they were claiming responsibility for 9-11. Another time from uh, the idea that the fourth plane was on its way to Camp David because of uh, the date, September 11th, being the anniversary of the um, Camp David peace accords uh, between uh, Israelis and Palestinians. Um, The third was uh, the footage of Palestinians dancing in the streets. Uh, And then on top of that, other wire stories coming out saying that Palestinian refugees in Lebanon were shooting rocket-propelled grenades in the air celebrating 9-11. All of these things were actually reported in the press um, very early on, most of them um, happening before bin Laden's name was even mentioned in the press. So that pretty much sums up uh, what we talked about on uh, today's episode of Media Roots Radio. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, have a good night. This is just a really quick addendum to the to the podcast. I just found something interesting on, of all places, Wikipedia, about the footage of the dancing Palestinians um, on 9-11. And I just read this, so I'm just going to relay this information. There's a Wikipedia article called Reactions to the September 11th Attacks. Palestinian celebrations. A German magazine called Panorama states that footage not aired shows that the street surrounding the celebration in Jerusalem is quiet. Furthermore, she states that a man in a white t-shirt incited the children and gathered people together for the shot. The Panorama report dated September 20th, 2001, quotes communications professor, explaining that in the images one sees jubilant Palestinian children and several adults, but there is no indication that their pleasure is related to the attack. The woman seen cheering stated afterwards that she was offered cake if she celebrated on camera and was frightened when she saw the pictures on television afterward. Thank <laughs> you.